Your goal as a seller, as a human in revenue, is to be obsessed with your customer and have them at the forefront. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't excite you, this might just be a job and you're going to find a different role later on that maybe fits better into a full-fledged career. Uh, You can fully align yourself with the customer's goals, with what they need, what makes them happiest. Hello, friends. Welcome back for another installment of the Revenue Real Hotline, or welcome for the first time. I'm Amy Rahubchek. Thank you for pressing play. I appreciate you. That was Lori Dunn. Lori is the head of sales for an early stage startup in the energy and climate tech space. And Lori is also a friend. Together, we banter questions like, how do you navigate career choices when you're not performing at your best for whatever reason? What is this mindset you can cultivate to make sure you show up well for your customers? Consistently, mind you. How do you incorporate the golden rule into how you sell? And my favorite part of the conversation, what is sales training? What's in a name? And what to do when your definition does not align with your sales bosses or your organizations? We get into all that and more, but before we do, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to the show wherever you listen. And if you do, I would certainly appreciate you letting me know how I'm doing in the form of a review something that can easily be done over at revenuereal.com. I can't tell you how far it goes, so thank you. With that, I'm Amy Rehovchik. This is the Revenue Rail Hotline. Enjoy. Lori Dunn, welcome to the Revenue Rail Hotline, friend. Oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm so excited for this conversation. Welcome. Thank you. I'm already giggly. We haven't even begun and I'm already giggly about this conversation with you. Uh, All right, Lori. So real quick, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we can dive right in. Sure. I'm Lori Dunn. Hi, everyone. I am head of sales at Infosense. We are a small tech company, pre-seed. Pray for funding. Uh, pray for market fit for us. Um, oh my gosh, this is amazing! I love. Uh, there's a special place in in Amy's version of heaven for first movers and early, like uh, early adopters on the client oh, side, yeah. as well as uh, whatever. Anyway, plus for anyone that's looking to hack their learning curve on the discovery skills, uh, go ahead and seek out a first mover type of tech because there is no moving if you do not get flipping excellent at discovery and just like a completely next level. All right, Lori. So I just finished your conversation with the great Amy Volas on her new podcast. Oh my gosh. I didn't even write it down. What's, what is it called again? I know it's about mistakes. Tales from the field. It's all about sales fails. And I was so nervous because a, like we all have fails, right? Every single salesperson has fails. That's how we grow and get better. Speak for yourself, Lori. I I was from the womb. I'm a natural. Chill. We've all got, (laughs) well, let's be real. We learn more from the fails. Absolutely. And we all talk about it over drinks, over now zooms. And we say like, man, this is where I learned. It's how I grew, but recording it putting it out there and people that I don't know are listening Mm -hmm. to it. I'm Mm -hmm. not fully in control. Yeah. I can say what I said, but it can be edited. I was pretty nervous. So the fact that people like yourself are listening to it, reaching out, I'm glad you learned something from it. And it's a good reminder that my 
my fails are helpful and to keep amplifying those. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? I feel like that's one of those universal cosmic jokes that we all (laughs) want to talk about and advertise and socialize those wins, right? Mm Because we feel good. And I mean, they are helpful, right? Like I'm thinking of a how I built this type thing. However, when it comes to learning, let's be serious. We learn like exponentially more from those mistakes. Yeah, I have uh, someone I I mentor was nervous about a new uh, leader coming in that they Mm -hmm. didn't really have a say in. It was Mm -hmm. just a certain structure that they knew they'd report to someone didn't really have a say. And they're like, well, what if this is like, tell me the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And she told me everything. I was like, great. I was like, so, and if that happens, think of how much you'll learn. Mm -hmm. I was like, now let's think of the best case. And we, we talked through that side and it was like, and think of how many learning opportunities you have there too. So like either way you win, let's look at it that way. And I, having that kind of mindset, it's Mm -hmm. hard to tap into when you're nervous. Right. Um, Yeah. But I adored chatting with Amy Bullish. She made me feel very comfy. And now thankfully folks like you are also saying how useful it was to hear someone talk through it. So it's continuing to alleviate my nerves about having put myself on blast like that. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, are you telling me that you get a person gets more comfortable doing something the more that they do of something Ah. and they start to feel the impact on the back. Like, no way. Oh my goodness. Okay. So listener friends for anybody that's maybe bitching a little bit about having to listen to their own calls, right? Because it's, we don't have time or whatever. I think we all know that the reason we don't like doing that because it stings a little bit. However, it's that sting that's where the motivation to do better next time lives. And so like what I love, Lori, about the connection between selling and podcasting is like, listen, going back and listening to your conversations um, that are public in the public domain. Uh, mm-hmm. And like you so you still have that like nails on a chalkboard, like, oh my gosh, every filler word, every sentence, whatever. But anyway, sellers, listen to your calls. That's that sting, right? Learn to love it, learn to love it and learn to appreciate the hardness because if it were easy, Everyone would do it. Oh, also friends, the conversation that I'm referring to with Amy Volus is going to be linked in the show notes. And so I'm almost like, this is probably a no-no. Like if you want to go listen to that conversation and then come back to this one, cause we're going to, we're going to pick it up right from there or not. Right. Well, maybe we'll cover it or not, but it will be right there for easy access. Okay, Lori. So here's how it's going to go. Sure. I wrote down a bunch of things that jumped out at me, both um, well, mostly from that conversation, but things that you and I had spoken about, and I'm going to read them real quick and you're going to pick which one we start with. Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So when Amy asked you about the mistakes and it was a buying motion, um, mm. you said that you didn't understand the risks that purchasing represented to your buyer. And I think that, I think that that's a big one, right? We don't do a good enough job teaching and empowering our sellers to understand this risk. For example, I think every seller should be a part of a buying team on the sales floor so that they and understand the risk and comparing features and like knowing that this is a big ticket item just to know what that feels like. And so to hear you say that, that was beautiful. You mentioned something about slowing down, right? We're always in a, in a rush and like whatever. And so the, the benefits of being able to slow down, maybe take no action for a hot second. So that was a big one what you and I were talking about beforehand, right? You realized that the the company maybe wasn't necessarily a good fit. And if you could do it over again, you would have left sooner. You said something about what I can control is the understanding. How will I understand? 
what the buyer is saying. And I think that this is a massive gap for most sellers, right? And again, another thing we don't do a good enough job teaching because it's one thing to connect. It's a one thing to apply curiosity and have established enough rapport and trust where someone is able to give you those things. But the next step is actually understanding what people are saying to you. And obviously, like if we can spin that, like what does it feel like to be understood by someone? That's just like next level shit. However, I think that we overestimate our abilities as sellers on that front. Obviously, you talked about uh, therapy, Amelia Earhart. I can uh, relate to both of those. <laughs> we things. can talk about my dog on this podcast. <laughs> my love, my ride or die bitch is like it really like playing next to me near the heater right here. Okay, so so again, the the ones that we you have options. So it's I didn't understand the risk posed to the buyers. We can start with that. The benefits of slowing down, the benefits of leaving early. Right when you're great, when you're a great seller, when you've established these skills, your options uh, are are great. However. Sometimes it's hard to make that decision to leave but when we know sometimes it. Sometimes when you're not a stellar, when you're nervous, mm-hmm. when you're not like I on that podcast, I was talking about a time where I didn't feel stellar. I didn't really have numbers to back me up. So leaving felt bigger. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people who are bigger, who maybe go for a bigger um, twinkly base salary and they know they've got it and they, they don't want to job hop on the resume and the like. I wasn't in that place in that one. And it's not something you can't LinkedIn and find it because I removed it. Um, <laughs> it was, ooh, yeah. Uh, Cause I, I want that company to win. It wasn't a good fit for me. It wasn't, I didn't show up as well. They didn't show up as well for me, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't succeed. Right. So that, well that's my reason for removing it. But I think it's important to say like, not everyone that folks listen to on podcasts have always been great at what they do. And I wasn't in that moment. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the fear was I didn't have the confidence. I I would find another one. I needed a track record. I needed to show and get those numbers to then prove it to the next. And that was where I think I mentioned there clawing. Mm -hmm. I'm a very visual person. So like the act of clawing out of this bad place that I was in mentally and all around. Mm -hmm. So now knowing even in a bad place, there's always a way to go up and there's always a way to go down. So making sure that, you know, it's okay to walk away from that. Even if it's two steps back, you're about to propel yourself far forward as long as you're honest with yourself. And I wasn't at that time. Okay. All right. Um, wow. 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 All right. So this is interesting. All right. So this is how much have we talked? Like, have you seen, you, you know, about Andy's new book, Andy Paul, right? Sell without selling out. Okay. One of the dialogues that's happening behind the scene with like the leaders that are kind of coming alongside the book to um, help get the word out, right? Take back sales is the hashtag that we're using. And it's, it's this idea of understanding how you want to sell and where your values are and knowing and having the, well, one, having the experience to be able to hone in on, okay, that's my line. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the first thing. But then the second thing is it, when we, even without that experience, right. I think we can still feel that someone is asking us to do something that is on the other side of our line, right. Our values. Yes. Yes. And so even without those numbers, 
right on the board to prove to the next place. Like, what would you say to somebody that's listening that, that knows that what they're being asked to do, whether it's something like is established in the sales process, right. And that's just the culture. Um, and obviously there's a wide degree of variation on how organizations act on that salesy yep. persuasive spectrum, right. Maybe it's not wide. being totally yep. transparent um, yep. with your buyers or what have you, and then whatever. Yeah. So again, not all sales floors are created equal, but what would you say to someone that is being asked to do something right now that they know deep down inside is not right for them? What, what say you, Lori Dunn? I would say your goal as a seller, as a human in revenue is to be obsessed with your customer mm. and have them at the forefront. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't excite you, mm -hmm. this might just be a job and you're going to find a different role later on mm -hmm. that maybe fits better into a full-fledged career. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can fully align yourself with the customer's goals, mm -hmm. with what they need, what makes them happiest, if it feels wrong, I've had some really weird conversations with customers right now. I'm figuring out pricing for this. And I call and I say, hey, I'm not trying to be slimy here. We're actually trying to figure out where we fit in the market. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I am paying my people well with mm -hmm. this deal, but mm -hmm. I also don't want you to be at the end of your rope here. I need your margins to be good. Right. Can we have this conversation about That's price? Amazing. What do they say? Oh, oh, they're always so great with it yes. because yeah. people realize I'm being real. And yeah. as a seller in a world where right now we're kind of uplifted a little bit more than we used to, but <laughs> saying something, I'm not trying to be slimy here. I'm calling it out. We're all aware of the elephant in the room that my profession has a bad rep. And I'm trying to tell you truthfully, this is it. Here's a range. Here's this. So if you're being asked to do something, to process a deal, do something that doesn't fit, call the customer and say, Hey, we're looking at a few options here. Can we talk about X, Y, Z? Can we do this and lay it out there? You don't have to parrot what you're being told to say. There's another way to have the conversation. If it gets to a point where they're really they're listening to every call and saying, you have to say X, Y, Z, and it is wrong. Mm -hmm. Start looking. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the autonomy to grow in your conversations mm -hmm. in that way, mm -hmm. there's something we said about a playbook, right? Mm -hmm. And you're in your first 90 days and copy this until you get it in your voice. Like, I'm right. not saying walk into your first job and be like, everybody here sucks. I'm better. Please mm -hmm. don't do that. <laughs> but if you know that, you know, the customer, you're obsessed with the customer. It's a conversation to bring back to your boss. Like, hey, this doesn't fit right. I don't think they'll be happy. I don't want this to churn later down the line. I don't want our customer success team or this to have to deal with a difficult situation. Like right now, I'm going to keep looping this into some of the other things you mentioned about risk of purchasing as the buyer. I'm currently a buyer in some regards, and mm -hmm. I am in a bad deal for us because mm -hmm. they didn't do the right discovery. Uh, and it now, was purchased already and you acquired this like new tool. It was purchased important. already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I am stuck with a product we can't use. We're pre-seed. We don't have the funds for this. Mm -hmm. And I just got a letter saying, well, then you can talk to our legal. 
<laughs> just head straight like, to G2. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. You know, we're too poor to even have legal. I mean, we do. We have nobody right, tried to take right, advantage right. of us. We have legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of great law firms, friends that really love supporting startups and growth mode. Like, and so it's yeah. really data one. So you don't want to mess with, with that, but please continue, Lori. It's yeah. It's not a super combative, but then when I talked to my original rep, I was like, Hey, did you see that threat that I got? And no, they didn't say we're suing you. They didn't say that, but it felt very threatening. Yeah. And I'm just having these conversations with this rep of like, look, like this is a learning experience for both of us, but now realize we are out a certain amount of money that is actually really valuable to us. Mm-hmm. And now I am stuck in this situation and I can't get the tool that I need because of what's happening over here. Mm-hmm. And being a buyer, I am tenfold a better seller. The way I ask questions, the way I truly understand what matters to the customer mm-hmm. that I never, everyone says, try to put yourself in their position until mm-hmm. you're actually buying and in charge of a budget. I have never felt you don't, this. You I don't know what it, yeah. Like trying to compare features. Like what do you mean? Wait, a spreadsheet? I should have feature comparisons. Leaders that are listening to this, there is so much power. Like think of all the tools that are projected to be acquired, let's say over the next 12 months. Imagine what it would be like if you did some kind of cycle where you place some of your key people that maybe were extra good at turning around and teaching their peers to participate on a buying team a couple hours a week, right? So not to take away from their precious selling time, because God forbid we expand our perception and our craft, right? During working hours, but this is an exceptional exercise. It fundamentally alters your perception of what the buying process entails and the risk, whether it's, you know, real or imagined, but as we know, right, perception is king. The only way to truly understand is to experience it. And so that is, um, can't say, yeah, can't say enough about that one. I've, I've asked countless times. I always, I've always gotten the the no. It's honestly something that now I know when I'm coaching reps, I'm probably going to pull up spreadsheets and say like, here's what we were looking at. Here's all the nuances. Look how uncomfortable of a position I was put in. And now think of when they call me for an upsell, when we get our next round of funding, when they do that, I now know how they treat me when I'm down. So think of if I'm ever going to do that, treat your customers impeccably, always impeccably, because that that's your, that's your job. You're going to leave this role at some point, right? We're all not doing 30 years at the same company anymore. Mm -hmm. When you leave and you have another product that you know is a good fit to customers, Mm -hmm. don't you want to know that they trust you, Mm -hmm. that they care as much as my boss can give me a recommendation and all that. My customers are going to keep my jobs here and now my customers keep my career going. And also they're my friends because yeah, <laughs> I have a, I have yeah, a hard time with boundaries yeah. there. Um. <laughs> <There's a lot> of- <laughs> I can't tell you how much I relate to that. Yeah. No, when I was first, I was given a piece of advice about like how to hack LinkedIn and it was like, go through and, and cut your, your connections. And I sold into legal. Right. And so like some big, I remember like there was a CEO of ALM media and it was just like, I could, but I couldn't, I didn't want to do it. Right. These were, these were exactly that. My friends, like if that's what it's going to take to whatever, hack some kind of stupid algorithm, then like I'm, that's a price that I'm not willing to pay with. Yeah. Then I'm out. Yeah. And then now fast forward like a year, you wouldn't believe some of the most enthusiastic 
commenters and sharers and whatever are my old buyers, including like when they first released the recommendations feature on LinkedIn, the first one I got was from a buyer. Like it was just like, okay. So, but I'm with you. I had this, I had a hard time with those boundaries too. All right, Lori, I'm going to take what you just said though, about that spreadsheet. I'm going to level it up one for our listeners here. Sure. Friends, I, I created that feature shopping spreadsheet for my buyers. And when I would ask in discovery, like, okay, so we're looking great. Do you guys, have you put together your comparison spreadsheet yet? Oh, you haven't. (laughs) Let me just go ahead and save you that step. I've got a template, like whatever you can feel free to add to it, but at least you have the framework. And so all of the, here's the things you should look at the columns. It was us. It was the, the, I don't want to say competitors per se, but based on what I knew, the ones that I think that you should look at and guess how that played out for me 95% of the time. Oh yeah. That's a winner right there. (laughs) But you only know to do that when you've gone through it like Lori, like you said. Um, But yeah, so anyway, create those comparison spreadsheets, find them, ask your buyers for them. If you're having a discovery period and you have not asked that question, that's a great one to add. Um, How are you you comparing? How are you shopping different options? And Lori, I would head straight over to G2 and write those reviews and watch how quickly that company comes back to you and say, we have changed our mind, please. What can we do to have these taken down? Um, Okay. But anyway, I want to ask a question that I've been dying to ask Lori Dunn. You've been dying to ask. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go for it's it. the way I ask it on every show. And it's, oh, okay. <laughs> you, you have a little, I mean, I did create this guest type form now to give you a little yeah. insight to, okay, what is the most uncomfortable conversation out of all of them, right? Buyers, bosses, employees, hiring managers, out of all of them, what is the most uncomfortable conversation that you've ever had to have in a, like a revenue context? Including like significant others. Like I feel like when you're walking away from a job and they don't understand why, um, especially on the compromising, like that's, that can be an uncomfortable conversation too. It would be with a former leader, um, former boss leaving the company. And I couldn't, we couldn't understand why it wasn't working. We were both committed to making it work, but it wasn't working. Okay. And like, even trying to explain it now is confusing to me. All right. Well, start from the beginning. Yeah. Cause I, I want to understand this. Let's talk about this one. So I was excited, eager to join this company was in it. I drank all the Kool-Aid. It was a startup. Everything has part of the company name in every aspect in the women's channel, in the, the way we talk about the people who are there. <laughs> I loved that Kool-Aid. That was very delicious Kool-Aid. Um, and you could still, I could see it on your face, the joy, like <laughs> It was like, man, I really like that Kool-Aid. Good. Oh I, miss, I miss that taste, you know? Yeah. Well, you're, you're and- saving the planet now, so it's cool too. <laughs> oh, ooh, that's fine. The Kool-Aid company. I saw some of the ways they were handling business. I didn't really love and that, but I wasn't quite getting, I wasn't quite getting the training that I needed Yeah. in that way. And then what I, I think I've discovered is we talk about training differently we, I was expecting something more of the line in what I see people talking about right now on LinkedIn of full training programs mm-hmm. of going through an aspireship yeah. of going yeah, through like these immersive, other, yeah, yeah, yeah. an immersive thing. Yep. 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 And I went into a place that didn't, they didn't have a sales playbook. Mm-hmm. They didn't have all these things prepared and ready. And when they said training, it was more of 
um, the top person would do a cold call on the sales team meeting once a week with the VP. Mm-hmm. And we would, it was a masterclass for sure, mm-hmm. but that was, that's training. Mm-hmm. And then if you, it was kind of a sink or swim environment that I had never been in either. Mm-hmm. And, and a girl was sinking to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't figure out why. And I, I was talking to the CEO. There were about a hundred people by the time. How many, I'm I sorry to pause you. How many years had you been selling at this point? Roughly? Um, let's go with five years. Five years. Okay. Please continue. So you chatted with the CEO. He's chatting with the CEO. And he was like, you're a, he's like, you're a social person. Your, your personality is great. You're People natural. really like you. And I was like, I don't, yeah, you're a naturalist. I don't know why this isn't working. I was like, I thought like, where's the training? Where's that? And we kept going back and forth of like, but do you want to be here? I was like, yes. Like I'm in the Kool-Aid. Yes. I, I want this. He's like, well, we want you here. And then we tried again for a month and it didn't. I was like, I just got to go. I got to go. And I had to find someone who defined training the same way I did. Mm. And they've since asked me to come back still. And I'm like, thank you, but no, thank you. Uh, Cause I'm on a different path. They wanted me to come back as a rep and I was trying to get my way into leadership and that and finding new disruptive companies like this one I've luckily landed in. And so it didn't work, but it was a very confusing time. Okay. And that's okay. why it was so hard. And then I had to go, I had to go, which All is right, awkward. So, so, okay. 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 Wow. I'm so fucking excited that you said this. All right. So what, hmm, I'm trying to keep my assumptions at bay right here. Right. So I, I apologize in advance if, if that comes out, but no. were you able to hone in on why that was so hard communicating at the time? And if not, how many months did it take you to realize that it was that lack of, let's say a shared definition of what training Mm -hmm. is. By the way, I started all podcast or conversations about sales enablement, including with other sales enablement leaders with what does sales enablement mean to you? Mm. Right. And then here's what it means to me. And we go through and define some terms and, and then you have that shared baseline to go from there. So the training, you hit it spot on, right? So this is my, this is a soapbox. Like I almost want to push you off my soapbox so that like I can get (laughs) climb (laughs) on. No, but like, but were you able to hone in on like why it was so until years after years, right? Years, years. Because I, I still, even as I'm saying this now, right? I went Mm -hmm. from like smiley talking about the Kool Aid to I'm kind of looking off in the distance about the how how do they still not know that our definitions are different Mm -hmm. in that way, and that that they think it's appropriate to bring sales reps in without sales enablement in any way in that training like that. Mm -hmm. That was, I don't love that. And Mm -hmm. I've luckily found leaders who have been great, Mm -hmm. have had solid playbooks and invest in training and building uh, their sales force up. So that's how I I would like to say I'm a leader like that. That's how I will move forward because that's when I hear training, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's not worth a, like going back, revisiting, chatting with them about that. I don't think if they bring it up, sure. But not a, I figured it out guys. I'm going to come back. Like, no, that's not necessary, but it was hard. It was a very confusing, emotional time for me. I many tears shed of confusion, just like, what is happening? And then I just cry and be like, yeah, yeah. Cry it out. Like I am, I am mad. I'm sad. I like this place. And it felt like it was being taken from me and I couldn't figure out why. 
And then of course you have the conversation of, is this the right fit, which let's discuss cultural norms, not culture fit because culture fit just means you're trying to be one like each of us. A cultural norm is something where the leaders decide what cultural norms the company will live by. And we, we backgrounds into it. Hmm. So when Never people go immediately to like, oh, fit. I'm like, oh, culture fit, because we're going to have a monoculture. Mm. I don't love that. Mm. And so then it turned into, you can just, you can even hear in the tenor of my voice. Then the salty Lori comes out like, oh, that's what you mean? Oh, and then the hurt comes out. And that of like, well, you didn't offer this. You didn't. And then the blame and that it's an awkward conversation to have had this over the course of a quarter of revenue of having that happen over and over. I was pretty beleaguered. It, it definitely took its toll on me. Mm. And I now am aware it was a definition mm. of what training is because I, I did ask the questions. I did that. Mm. What I didn't do, which is great for any sale. You got the yes on, do you have budget? Yes. How much budget? How important is this to you? It circles right back, right? They said, yes, we do training. How does that look? How am I enabled? How am I prepared to win? And had I been able to ask those specific questions and deep dive in, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have this, you know, excited about the Kool-Aid and then a little bit of bitter tone in my voice because I I hear it. I hear it. I know you hear it. I hear it. This is a judgment-free zone. This is a judgment-free zone for sure. Um, And I can't relate to one word of of that that wheel of, of emotions. Um, wow. Okay. So if, if anyone is interested in digging deeper into this particular topic, I would point you directly at the episode with Roderick RJ Jefferson, who is the VP of field enablement over, I think it's Netscope. And he was like the, the godfather of sales enablement, like literally came up with yeah. the, the term um, 20 years ago and built out whatever. Roderick. And then wow. also there was a great episode actually that I did on Jeff Bajoric's show, The Wine the Buy, my second podcast, Lori. Um, was it's called sales enablement with a twist. Uh, And so we go into this topic as well. And both are pretty, I think, pretty fun and hysterical. RJ is a mentor of mine. So it's a a pretty intimate conversation there too. Roderick also just wrote a book, sales enablement 3.0, great resource too. All right. So Laurie, uh, I, (sighs) the defining of terms and the Mm. defining of objectives this is a step like as you mm-hmm, as you start to move up your the level of like where you're at in this in your sales career right i don't want to say everyone starts as an sdr cuz some people like myself were full cycle from the very beginning Same. however there's a like if you look at all the content lori out right now for for selling right how to type stuff almost 90% of it is about prospecting yes Think about that. There's a wide berth of things that come up, learning how to sell cough conversations, learning how to do those that is just like not touched on. And I think stakeholder alignment is one that we don't talk about nearly enough. And in the same way that this role that you had, this uncomfortable conversation went down because people were operating with different definitions Mm -hmm. and like not understanding that we're operating with different definitions on top of that. Remember the game telephone when we're kids? 
Yes. That was my life at that company. (laughs) I mean, that's how it is at every, like, this is how it works. And, and so part of our job as sellers, particularly when we're working with larger buying teams, someone from legal, someone from it, you know, and as it should be like, we have to understand that that's what's happening behind the scenes. That's why I love to send a video after a call that I get my words, explain it. At least I'm in control of those 20 seconds. It's so funny. I used to write emails for let's say the champion so that they could send internally. And I would design like these little, like uh checkpoints to make sure that it was received. Well, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Or here's another yeah. one I'm working like my last job. I was working to tighten up the legal process, which by the way, once I dug into the numbers, care to take a guess, the average turnaround time from, for the contract period from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Once you wrote the email for them. No, no, no. So that was while I was selling. This is now sales enablement. And I was coming, I was asked to do a training on contracting. And I was like, all right, well, before, before I do that, let me just dive into, let's see what's going on. Right. So that we can confirm that the problem is actually a skill thing on the rep level. Did you say month? Is that what? Yeah. I'm going to go a month, six weeks, months. No months. And the reps weren't even allowed to touch it. So what we ended up putting into place is that was accomplishing both teach the reps about legal as Mm. well as uh, collapse that time period was to establish a kickoff call with the legal department and our legal department, right? So the rep's job was to get the client's attorney and our attorney talking for step one. Right. Because attorneys go into the, you know, how it goes, the redlining circles, death and doom, whatever. The only way that you get around that is to talk it out at the beginning, right? Same thing, what you were saying about sharing the video. But anyway, long story short, the rep's role was to set up that conversation and they were allowed to join the conversation because I wanted them to learn. But it was, I was explicit in your job is to set it up, join and shut the fuck up. You're in listen mode. But anyway, mm-hmm. they were able to learn more in like one month of listening to a bunch of these calls with, with the attorneys. Um, then what would have taken me a year to teach them in like pure training? Absolutely. Fashion. You can't be, it's like come into a company and don't talk to a customer quickest way to fail, right? Come in, listen, customer research, um, any kind of calls that you can have. If people have already had them and they're recorded, go sit and listen and learn through those two. But like the customer, this all comes back. The customer is number one. So learn that deeply from them. Ideally, I want to hear the customer say it. I don't want to hear the telephone game of you told me that they said, no, what did they say? I want to see the email. I want to see the video. Exactly. Let me on the Zoom. Yeah. Tell me exactly what they said. It's so true. And you learn that from experience, like I guess too, because like, this is where they say like uh, my favorite HBR book from last year is called What's Your Problem? Okay. And it's like, the idea is that like step one is to actually define and understand what you're, what you're actually solving for. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a good step. But anyway, uh, Yeah. When I was learning about process design, when I got my green belt, I came to find out that like 99.9% of root cause problems actually come down to it's like communication or skill development. That's almost always what it is. And then I laugh as we try to like buy a piece of technology and hit the easy button to fix like human problems, but that's a conversation for a different day. All right, Lori. So the last the, not the last, but like the, one of the things that I mentioned, and I'm looking at the clock here. So I got one more question for us, but like, I want to mention one thing first. 
one of the things that Amy asked you was like, what did you do to recover? Right. After you, right. So we're talking about mistakes. We're talking about learning from experiences. And I think in this profession in particular, mm-hmm. the mistakes and the experiences are gut-wrenching, right? And I, there's a lot of people that believe this, that like the, the, the highs are highs the, and the lows are low. They yeah. Are. And there's no other profession in the, or role inside the company that is on par with what we have to yeah. um, learn how to deal with. And the, where you, when you and I, like, you know, we're learning to sell, uh, there wasn't a lot of talk about these, this recovery period or how to go about finding what works for us as individuals. Could you expand on that a little bit? Like, how were you able to hone in on that? You needed time that you needed space and, or like whatever, but fill in the blanks. What would you say to somebody that is maybe feeling a little bit of that right now? But recovering requires you to realize there's a problem mm-hmm. and that, and you get to own up to what you've done. Don't overshoot and take more blame than you deserve, but make sure you're not pointing the finger more than you're taking it on. Mm-hmm. Really know what your part was every step of the way that you made the mistake that you made, um, or the learning decision that you made, let's say, mm-hmm. right. Cause the mistake is really just a, a new, a new Avenue to learn something. Mm-hmm. So understand from the first conversation, why did, why were you excited about that company? Why were you excited to get in? What, what questions could you have asked along the way to figure it out? Like if we're using this other company, I just mentioned where semantics was at play, mm-hmm. There's other questions I could have asked to understand Mm. what training was, Mm. to understand deeply. Then when you're in and you start to realize things aren't going well, how are you handling those conversations? Because we all know we can interview as best as we can, but there's some stat where it's about 50% of sales reps are going to turn within, you know, that 90 90 days to the first six months. Mm. It's fine. Everyone's aware that this is a big learning growth time. How are you behaving? What lines are you coming up to? What lines are people trying to drag you across? What things are working well? What aren't? If you need time to figure that out, take time. So throughout your career, do your best save and that. So financially you can swing it. Um, really important, right? Cause we all I second, know. I second to that little uh, tidbit. Okay. That was a brilliant one about knowing where your lines are. How would you suggest that somebody goes about identifying like how to like practical, what would you tell somebody to do? <laughs> Go to <I'm>... therapy. <laughs> 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 some folks journal, some folks do therapy, some mm. folks do interpretive dance, uh, do whatever it is that lets do you tap in to you. Yeah. Paint. Yeah. yeah. Watercolor it. Yeah. Do whatever that is that lets you tap into you that you're not hiding from yourself. Mm. We're trying to strip down the bravado that is around all the presence, all the peacocking out on LinkedIn. And I've done this and I've won and done. No, that's not. That's fine. But ideally, everyone else is talking about how you won. You're not talking about it, right? Be humble, be real, know what it is that matters to you and get to that root. Look at yourself in the eye. Like, am I hiding anything? Because Mm -hmm. I can be 10 times better Mm -hmm. if I can get out of my own way. So figure out what those blockers are. For me, I took I'd say two months. I didn't even look for a role. Mm -hmm. I just, I frankly had a really great time 
with some friends. Um, I went to some fun conferences. I went, I, I just had a really good time exploring why I made that mistake and how I wasn't going to make the same mistake again. Mm. And that, that led to a lot of deep reflection of self and a lot of understanding my relationship with my lines mm. and knowing how to trust that little voice that says this is wrong. Like this is, this is wrong. And even in a business context, I am still in charge of what that thing is just because someone puts your hand on, I don't know, how do we make this relative? Someone puts your hand on a gun on the trigger. You're the one that pulls the trigger, right? Absolutely. Like you get to decide if you pull damn the trigger. Job. It's your job. It's, it's your reputation. And yes. if you don't hit your number, it's your ass on the line. And so it's your ass on the line. And those it's choices. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, a company. It's just a job, but realize it, what you do impacts your customers. Mm-hmm. So be real to your customer, Mm -hmm. figure out where that line is and be protective over your customer and their journey and the way they come into your company, the way they know you, the way you are accessing their vital funds. You know, I work with, I worked with some smaller, now I work with some larger corporations. Mm -hmm. They sell budgets. It may not mean the same thing that it did with um, the fail that I talked about on Volus's podcast, Mm -hmm. Um, but it it can still matter. Mm -hmm. Be protective over that. Let them know you're on their team. Getting to a place where I knew my lines allowed me to be better to my customer. And therefore, there's not as much like anxiety and worry internally within the company because not everything is up for debate with me anymore. And I was always trying to figure out where's my line? Where is that line? Now I've got them mm-hmm. a little bit. So mm-hmm. now we can discuss within my parameters <laughs> here <laughs> what we're going to do. I support it. Is that Amelia Earhart or is that's that a- her? She's <gasps> telling everybody outside to pipe down because <laughs> mom's mom's busy. She's on a podcast, friends. <laughs> oh, she's also like, girl, you're on a soapbox. Get off now. So I will be quiet for a moment. <laughs> no, I support soapboxes. Okay, first and foremost, all uh, therapy is not created equal. I would highly encourage everyone to seek out a cognitive behavioral therapist. It is well-known and proven to be the most effective form of therapy. It's like sports psychologists, right? Not all therapists are trying to convince you that you are in fact trying to sleep with your father. Um, This is one that's designed to (laughs) teach you how to think. There's a great episode of Dr. Aaron Weiss, who is actually married to a guy named David Weiss, who is a VP at Outreach, now at Seismic. Uh, They've got a show called Psych and Sales. And so Dr. Aaron is is a great resource. And there's that. And then Lori, back to what you said about the customer Anybody that's interested in digging into like exactly what this looks like, how to get into this customer-centric mindset, also known as design thinking, the best book that I've ever seen written on the topic was written by a fabulous woman by the name of Ashley Welsh. And her her book is called Naked Sales. Uh, I think this one should also be required reading right next to Sell Without Selling Out. And with that, Lori, what is one piece of advice that you would leave our listeners with about uncomfortable conversations? Lean in, lean in, lean right on in. They are uncomfortable. Preface them with say, Hey, this is going to be uncomfortable, but if you can be open and honest with me, I can with you and we can get through this and get out on the other side, be just as open as honest internally as you are externally, be very clear and lean right on in. Cause when you're hiding or you're co-conversationalist, whether that's a boss a leader, a rep, um, or a customer, when they're hiding something, the conversation's meaningless. Mm -hmm. So 
lean in, be really open to it. And then they'll open up to you too. It's amazing, right? Be vulnerable first, be vulnerable first. That's our job in many ways as sellers. All right, Lori, how can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Oh yeah. No one's heard of that one before. (laughs) (laughs) Lori Dunn on LinkedIn. Uh, You can watch my journey. Oh yeah. You can find me. I'm at Thursday night sales. You can watch my journey of growth at energy to sell.co. My fingers Um, crossed for that. The product market fit and faster. (laughs) You can can watch me go through (laughs) some of that as I discuss how it feels trying to figure this all out. Um, yeah, just amazing. come hang out with me online and, and discover the world of revenue with me. It's a fun place. That's amazing. Lori, you are a leading by example, girlfriend, and I would expect nothing less. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making time for us today, friend. This was amazing. Amazing. Thank anything you. for you, Amy. Thanks. <laughs> All right, friends, listeners. Thank you for hanging around for the remainder of the conversation. If you found any value and things discussed, do tell a friend. I take that as the highest compliment. Of course, subscribe, follow the show, leave a review. It means the world. Truth, love, and joy all, and happy selling. Bye, Lori. Bye.